Hey folks, it's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. Now we've been working diligently trying to get as many podcasts loaded as possible. However, finding the time to do them is a little bit tough these days with everything that's been going on. But what I've started to do is starting to can a few podcasts. So as I'm working on them, if I get time to do one podcast in a week, fine, I'll post at the same time. If I get a chance to do like three or four of them. I'll just release them on a schedule as we go on. This way you guys will always have content and we're really trying our best. And we're also trying to do the YouTube thing as well. That hasn't been easy. And I got to tell you, trying to figure out how some people do this every day, producing five or six YouTube videos a day is beyond me. If anybody out there knows how to uh, edit video or something like that, send me a message. Maybe you can help us out. But trying to make it look nice and all that is been a pretty big pain and i don't want to put garbage out there i want to make sure it's something that everyone can understand and at the same time it's something that'll be useful to you as well because you can put all kinds of garbage content out there and a lot of people do that these days i don't think that that's something that's useful to anyone so i want to make sure that what's in there is going to be appropriate for the subject that we're going over and it's going to be all about tuning and bow form and that sort of thing and as you want to see more things come up in there, just send us a message. Uh, you should start to see at least the first video. I thought it was going to go up a couple of weeks ago. Editing problems have really, really set that thing back. I'm trying to get one up there by this Friday. So I'll post a message on Instagram and on our Facebook feed as soon as it becomes available. And you guys can go ahead and check it out for the first one. And like everything with YouTube... Like and subscribe, put it on there. It just helps the YouTube algorithm get it out to people. We're not trying to make money on this thing. When I saw what, it, what you can actually make per, like, 1,000 views, it was, like, ridiculous. And it was not really meant for that in the first place. But the more people that subscribe, the more often it's going to show up in the algorithm. And this way, people, other people get a chance to see it and can get some value out of it. Just trying to help others. That's all it really is all about. But if you see a subject in there that you want to be covered deeper, or if you have a question that you want answered on a particular YouTube video, send me a message. It'll be one of the ones that we work on. We have no problem doing that at all. The other thing that I mentioned, and I actually put a note on the website about it, is that we're going to be doing a live call-in show. Uh, trying to figure out what the best time to do that is for all of our listeners. It'll definitely be on a weekend, and we may have some guests on the show, like Anthony from the Offset Air Archers, um, a couple other people I know that can actually contribute to it. I thought about doing a Facebook Live with it, but there's issues with Facebook trying to do that sort of thing, so I figured if we just do a live call and show, we'll use Zoom or something like that. And we can do it in a nice and organized way. This way we can answer any questions you might have that I don't get a chance to answer on the show sometimes. But as always, keep on sending in those emails, and we'll answer the questions as they come along. But on to this episode of the podcast. So this episode is all going to be about coaching. Now, I've done other coaching episodes before. The whole reason I'm doing this is because since I've been back, I've seen some weird things, things that unfortunately I'm beginning to see a lot more of, and it has to do with the way that coaches are working with their kids, working with adults, working with anybody. And although I've said it in the past, I'll say it this time again, because some people just believe in it's my way or the highway, or even worse, if they get a coaching certification from some organization, and I'll use my own coaching certification uh, as an example, I'm 
a certified coach with USA Archery. Now, the first two levels, you're basically an instructor. So you're certified to learn how to teach someone not to hurt themselves, you know, safely, safety on the range, that sort of thing. And then when you get to levels three and four, then those are more about coaching. And you learn about physiology and everything else that goes with it. What they do stress in those courses is a particular system. Now, the USA Archery system subscribes to a system that was designed by Coach Kissick Lee, who's the head of the U.S. Uh, Olympic archery team. And it's very, it's very formatted and rigid. It's really designed for recurve shooters, but it's also applied to compound shooters. But it stresses a particular way to draw, a particular way to stance, a system for when you hook up, when you come to draw, when, when you ease into the shot and when you're going to fire and then after shot everything, which is good to learn. However, what I see happening is a lot of coaches that are out there preach this system or a system that they particularly have from another organization or something that they've developed over time as law. So if you don't conform to it, tough. This is the way you have to do it. My theory with coaching has always been teach a base system. The USA Archery system, there is nothing wrong with it. It's a very good base system to learn from. However, as I keep on repeating to people, and as I tell parents a million times, no two individuals are exactly alike. No matter what you do, there's always going to be differences in what someone's body is from one person to another, what their physical capabilities are, what their mental capabilities are. You name it, everyone's different. That's what makes us all individuals. However, some people forget this. And when they're trying to teach someone, they impose the system on them saying, this is the way it's got to be. And when a student can't conform to it, maybe because of physical difference in the way they, they're set up, some guy could have a bad shoulder or maybe uh, part of his arm. The I find this especially true with the part of your arm and your forearm between your wrist and your elbow. That segment is not as long as other people's is. So sometimes getting that perfect angle that you're looking for when you're coming back to draw is not possible for, other, for some as it is for others. So does that mean that, well... I have two options. Either I can conform to the way they're telling me to do this, and I'm speaking from the from the opinion of, say, a student who's looking at this, who's new to this, doesn't know anything about it, or even someone who's been doing it for a long time and goes to a coach for the first time. And yes, there are many people who do that, and they try to learn the system, but they find that the way they're teaching them to anchor or the way they're teaching them to draw or to keep the alignment it either hurts or it's uncomfortable to do. Now, there's a line with uncomfortable. Uncomfortable could be from you're not used to doing something. And there's nothing wrong with that because you can build a skill for it and you can make it muscle memory. Now, we've gone to muscle memory before. I mean, it may take you a couple hundred times to build up muscle memory to do something, but it could take you 10 times to do it the wrong way and forget all about it. So, while something may be unusual for someone and they can't make it work right away, through time they can't. And conforming that to a standardized system, there's nothing wrong with. 
But there's a difference and there's a fine line you draw where you're trying to get someone to conform to that when they don't have the physical ability for it. So where I delineate this is if a student tells me, oh, it's uncomfortable to do it, okay, fine, I'll listen to that the first two, three lessons, and I still see that's happening. But if all of a sudden they come to me and they say, listen, um, when I draw back, it's starting to hurt me. Well, then I know there's a physical difference there. And usually I could pick it up within the first couple times they draw on the bow, but especially with kids, kids don't adapt very quickly while they're learning something. And what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is when a child is drawing back a bow, okay, it's a movement in most cases that they've never done before. They're using muscles that they never used before. So, yes, it's going to be a little bit awkward. However, you have to have a very good eye to learn when someone is doing that because it's awkward and when someone is doing that because it's downright painful. And usually I spot it in the alignment of the rear shoulder um, especially with young ladies. I find about 60 to 70% of my girls that I train are double-jointed. So particularly, say, in the front arm, you try to tell them to keep the wrist in a proper position, no problem. But the elbow, for some reason, is always pointed down on these girls who are double-jointed. And then a lot of coaches I see will stress, you've got to get that elbow turned out. That elbow's got to be facing away from you. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. I don't know if anyone out there has ever tried to physically turn the elbow out if you're double-jointed, but I've seen kids that when they do this, it really, really hurts. One, because they're stressing themselves to try to do it. Second, if they're double-jointed, they probably can't. Now, that does not mean that they cannot shoot proper form. All that means is we have to make a tweak adjustment to it. Sometimes that's opening up their stance a little bit just to clear their arm because the last thing we want to do is to have that bowed-in front arm that's going to get string slap as it goes by. And that's another reason, you know, when I'm teaching people for the first couple times, the first couple weeks even, and that's kind of my limit with it, I don't have them put on the arm guards. So the first couple times they're doing it, yes, they will wear one because it's brand new to it. They're going to slap themselves. But after that, I try to advise against using an arm guard. And the whole reason why is mentally when you're shooting and mentally when you're drawing back the bow, you have a lot to concentrate on. But if you're fearing hitting your arm, that's going to be the number one thing in your head no matter what happens. If you have that crutch of having that string slap guard on there, yes, it'll take it away, but I find that most kids who have that on continue to dwell on it, even though they know that if they get hit, it's going to hit the guard and won't hurt as bad. So the approach I take to that, and this is like delving into like a technique that I use, whatever, the approach I take to that is very simple. I just have them open their stance slightly, and we work on what degree their torso is turned and all that. But as long as their hips are in line with their shoulders, there's nothing wrong with it. But it gives them more clearance on the arm. So even my girls who are double-jointed, when I open up their stance, guess what? It can't help but pull that shoulder and the arm away from the string. Double-jointed or not, it'll still form alignment, and it will help them not to get hurt. 
Now, once they get that programmed in their head, A, they're not worried about getting slapped. B, they're armed. They're not constantly trying to force it over to the side. And C, they can concentrate on the other aspects of their shooting. Sounds simple enough, right? Well, not true because just a couple of weeks ago, I was at an indoor range and I witnessed someone getting yelled at because of this. Now, it was an adult that was being trained and maybe she was 22, 23 and I'm watching this and I'm sitting there and I'm like, for real, this guy is really, really going to hammer her over the head about the arm. Now, I don't know how long she had been training. And honestly, I'm not familiar with the coach or instructor. I don't even know if he had credentials or not personally. I've given up on credentials with people because just because someone goes out and gets a piece of paper does not mean they know how to do anything properly. But I'm watching it, and I could see he was literally driving her crazy with that arm. And it seemed like she could take four or five shots, get jawed at. I mean, he, he was like, you have to keep your arm your arm and your elbow pointed away. If you don't do that, this is never going to work. We're wasting our time. You could belittle and, ber- and berate somebody all you want. It's not going to help. And when I'm looking at her elbow, I could tell she was double-jointed. It was the typical thing. You could see it a mile away. This guy was oblivious to it or he just didn't care. Again, he's teaching what looked like the KSL method, and she was shooting a recurve. So I'm like, yeah, this is just it happening again. It's why I started putting the notes together for this podcast when I wanted to do it. Um, I didn't get involved with that one because as they finished up their, their lessons, whatever, she seemed to accept whatever he was telling her didn't bother but i did see when she's trying to pack up her case that her elbow was really really sore because i mean she was really favoring her right hand for doing everything because when you open up a case and you put stuff in there you kind of use both hands and she was only using the right hand and kind of leaving that left hand and arm hanging down tells me her elbow was hurting and you could see it was bothering her um as i walked by her i said Everything okay with you? But she's like, oh, yeah, it happens every time. It'll be fine. You know, when I get involved with people as far as helping them, if I don't know them, there's a kind of feeler I use. And some people are receptive to it and some people are not. And as much as I, the the inner helper coach is in me to go out and say, hey, you know, you should really do this. When I get that kind of a vibe off of somebody, they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. They're like, okay, go ahead, do what you want. So what I will say is if you see somebody who looks like they may need help, you can offer them help. There's nothing wrong with that. If you see they're not receptive to it, keep going. Just walk away. If they are receptive to it, try to do what you can. At the same time, it's a good way to piss off other coaches, which I don't suggest, but most people know who I am where I was, so I don't think he would have said anything to me anyway. But – he was looking at me a little funny as I'm walking by her. I'm like, mm-hmm, whatever. Didn't care. I will try to help anybody if they need it, but when you obviously don't want the help or you just don't realize that you need the help, then move on. Maybe the next time she she might be a little bit more receptive to it if I ever see her again. Anyway, getting back to what I'm saying. So 
if you force someone to do something just for the sake of adhering to a form that's being taught as a standard, it can help nothing other than to injure them. And it'll frustrate them. And some people just wind up walking away from it and giving up. So instead, we make small adjustments, and it's individual to the student, and you make it work. So that's basically one of the things about coaching that I wanted to bring up today. The other one happens to be self-coaching. Now, what is self-coaching? Um, so I know a couple people that got into shooting, whatever. They don't have their own coach. And I see it all the time because when I go to the outdoor range or something like that, I'll see them doing this. And they'll stand there in the course of, say, two or three hours and shoot over 100 arrows. And the first thing you'll think is, well, they're getting their work in. All right. No problem. However, I also see the frustration with a lot of them when at 20 yards they're shooting a group as big as a stop sign. And if you never really formally were taught how to shoot, that's not necessarily a good thing because a little bit of instruction can help you out. So when I talk to some of these people, the first thing I hear is, well, I saw this on YouTube, and I saw this person teach this way of doing it and all that, and I'm trying to make it work. So what did I just say in my last point? A system as preached cannot be cookie cutter for everyone. So the best videos out there that I'll, I'll mention are like John Dudley's. He's very, very straight to the point, simple, not getting into all the dynamics that are involved, but basically saying, these are the basics that you need. And a lot of people will see a video like that, and I wish they would all watch his because his is the most clean cut as opposed to somebody else's who's recommending 87 different things that you have to do with your right hand as you draw back in order to make this work. I mean, they get so confusing and frankly stupid, it just annoys the hell out of me to watch them. And then the thing that really gets me about this, these asshats, yes, I said it, first time this podcast, I will say it, these asshats, there's a second time, they, they make money off these videos and get tens of thousands of views. Why? They've been out there for a while. They must know what they're talking about. They have huge Instagram followings and all that. I hate to tell you, personally, maybe their system works for them. That's why they're great shooters or whatever. But that don't mean squat for you. Take what they're saying, all of it, with caution and a grain of salt. Because if you try to copy someone just because you see it in a video, that does not necessarily mean it's going to work for you. Okay? And going off, off topic for a second, this is the same thing I see when people get their first setups or get a new setup or something like that. They go out there. And I'll give you a perfect example. Real Wild, probably one of the greatest shooters that's ever competed, okay? Won numerous medals in the World Cup, that sort of thing. Great guy, great shooter. His system for how he shoots and how he's set up, that dude has a ton of weight in the front, ton of weight in the back on his stabilizers, and he shoots with a lean. Now, if you ask him 
how that works, and he's even said in a few videos, it's because he has a lean because like, he tries to get the center of balance back to make the whole thing stable. And that's why he shoots a ton of weight and all that. I mean, you do have to lean back in order to hold that much weight that he holds up there. And the fact is, it works for him. His track record proves it. However, do you know how many people I've seen go and try to mimic that setup? They're not even talking about his lean or anything like that. In the, in the amount of weight in the front, you're going to throw a pound and a half of weight in the front? Really? And then they're going to throw tons of weight in the back, or they try to mimic somebody like Mike Slosser, who's another, another World Cup shooter, really, really good guy when it comes to shooting, but uses a ton of weight. That seems to be the big thing, big weight these days. That's what everyone does. And they mimic that, and these people can barely hold up their bows. Mimicking somebody because it looks good or works for them is not necessarily going to work for you. So if you take the same principle and apply it to form or when you're shooting, how can that even work? It doesn't. Go with the basics. You watch John Dudley's video? Fine. You learn how to draw. You learn about a basic alignment, basic foot position, basic release techniques. Wonderful. You take that and you apply that out on the range to yourself. And some people are able to do it. I'm not going to say there's people who don't. But there's other people that without proper coaching, and here's where I'm going to get into the coaching aspect of it, can't do it. So they get frustrated because they're out there for three hours shooting 100 arrows, group the size of a stop sign, or sometimes missing the target, target entirely, and they think, improperly may I add, that doing it over and over and over again is going to make it better. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. This is not going to work for you. So, if you invest in a coaching session, session or two, someone can look at you. So now you're looking at a Someone's going to be looking at your form from different angles and tell you, this is up with your arm. This is up with here. And again, there's always that possibility you fall into the pitfall of, well, I'm trying to conform to this thing. But no, that's not what I'm going at here. What I'm going at is you're getting another person to look at what you're doing. And they who knows what they're doing as far as fundamental basics and can tell you, Dude, you can't shoot like that. The whole reason you're shooting is shooting to the left is because your draw is so short. Or conversely, more popular these days, your your draw is so long. And don't get me started why people do that because everything now is speed, speed, speed. So guys with 28 inches are shooting 29 and a half super long so they can get some extra speed on the arrow. Completely stupid. But it's what happens. Or you go to a pro shop. You're a 28-inch draw. They only happen to have a 29-inch stock. And the guy says, no, this will fit you, whatever. You buy it, and you wind up frustrated as hell because you can't get your arrows to go where they want. And that's all about bow fitment. Another episode, not going there here. But it comes back to if someone can't give you that third-person view who's looking at it from all angles, and they know the fundamentals for it, 
you may never be able to correct your form or improve your shooting. So you can shoot 100 times, it's not going to improve it. You're just going to be more frustrated and wind up with the same problem. We want to avoid that at all costs. Now, the first argument I get over people is, well, I don't have any coaches near me. Okay, if that's the case and you don't have coaches near you, that's fine. These days, 99.962%, I just made that number up, it's not real, no statistics you can look up anywhere, of people have a cell phone. And you can buy a cheap tripod mount online for about five bucks that you can stand on a table. Record yourself shooting from behind and from both sides. Send that to a coach. I do coaching sessions that are, depending on what the user skill level, skill level is, anywhere from 45 to $55 a session, right? And I do them on Zoom so someone can connect with their phone to the Zoom session and I'll coach them through basic stuff. You know, I'll see what's wrong with their form. And sometimes they just need that one, hey, I didn't know I, my arm was sticking out like a chicken wing. Yeah, it is. And we fix that up, and they're good to go. And occasionally they'll call me back, hey, I need another brush up on this. Can you help me? Fine. Some of these people are halfway around the world. I had one guy in India that I did that with last year. So that's one way to do it. The other way is, well, the next argument I guess, well, coaching can be expensive. And I get it. In today's economy, you need every dollar for, for your own stuff. Always pay for your most important things, meaning your daily life keeping the lights on, taking care of your family, putting food on the table. All that has got to come before anything involving an expense in archery. I don't care what anyone says. Although you go to different places and they'll tell you otherwise, no, that's what it is. And if you love what you're doing when it comes to archery, but you cannot afford the coaching, then what I will tell you is you still have your cell phone, record it, and look at it yourself. Then, Go to the John Dudley videos and look at how he's saying you should line up. If you're having a big problem, I think you'll see it's easy to solve. Because now I'm looking at my rear view after 10 shots and my elbow's all the way out. Well, I'm looking at the John Dudley video. Your elbow's supposed to be all be back here straight. Okay. If it turns out that it's because of an equipment problem, a la too long or too short a draw length, then you might have to go back to a shop to fix that. But before you go doing that, and this is where having a coach comes in, but again, comparing stances or doing a simple Zoom session can help. Some people think that their draw length is too short or too long because their stance is improper. So let's just say they're completely standing with their legs miles apart, and I've seen that one before. I, I might even go there. It's just too weird. And that has nothing to do with conforming to somebody's form or anything like that. That actually, don't even start me. Anyway, if you don't have a partway open stance, draw line could be too long. The minute you open that stance up, shoulders move out, hips line up, guess what? Draw line gets a little shorter. It's not going to take two or three inches off the draw. But what it will do is shorten it up just a little bit. Sometimes it's an equipment issue with your D-loop. Looking at the video, you may knew, you may notice my D-loop is two and a half inches long. 
but the, in these videos, the D loops are only like three quarters of an inch or half an inch. Bell goes off. Something's wrong with that. Again, Pro Shop, let them adjust it. If the same Pro Shop is the one that sold you the bow, you want to ask them why they put a two and a half inch D loop on there. Believe it or not, I've seen people come to me who got two and a half, two and a half inch D loops because the draw was too short on them, and the genius who was working behind the counter, and I got this from one New York City pro shop, and yeah, it burns my biscuit just to think about it because this is just, it's not a case of stupidity. It's a case of I'm trying to sell something that I don't have. So they sold the guy a bow that was legit an inch and a half too long for him and put a D-loop on it that was two and a half inches long to accommodate it. How did I know that they did this? I saw him on the range. And, yeah, D-loop came up there, all fitting just fine and all that. So for the fact that the D-loop was extending past his lips, and that string never came close to touching him. So, you know, there's little odds and ends you can see in videos and do comparisons or ask somebody or send them the video, let them look at it. What I would suggest against, against, is if you, (laughs) unless you're, you know, like, you hate yourself. You could post a forum video on one of these archery forums, like Archery Talk. And I would say that's a good idea if the people who were on there were into constructive criticism. A la teaching you how to do it, saying, well, you need to correct this, you need to correct that. Unfortunately, what I find on Archery Talk, because that's why I avoid it like the plague these days, and for a long time, is because no, for every one person who wants to give the good constructive criticism trying to help you there are about 50 people on there who either just want to make fun of you say you're stupid or, or say stop shooting because you don't know what you're doing and that's discouraging the whole point of this is not to be discouraged so why bother don't do that send it to a coach compare it on videos you're seeing anything will be better than just standing there and doing the same thing over and over again. Or, like I said, sending that, putting, posting that video up on one of these forums so you can get heckled to death and get discouraged and never want to do this again. But like I said, if you dedicate an hour or two hours to practice and you're doing the same thing over and over again without knowing if something's wrong, then that becomes a problem. It's not going to do you any good. Get coaching, get another person's advice, send in a video, do something, but see what's going on. Now, if you're smacking arrows together at 20 yards, smacking them together at 30, by all means, then your form must be good enough and keep doing what you're doing. But I'm talking about people who literally, you put a dot on a, on a piece of paper and they can't hit it or even get near it. Quantity of arrows, by the way, does not equal quality when it comes to practice. What do I mean? Well, I see guys walking out there. Now, on the outdoor range, we have a rule no more than five or six arrows, whatever it is. Um, And I see some people with 20 arrows in their quiver, and they continually shoot. So, yeah, guess what? 20 arrows may make it look like you're all around that target. Try the same thing with the five arrows, and if you see that your group is so big, 
then you know you have a problem. The reason I say don't do it with 20 arrows is because the odds are you're going to screw up in some way and you're going to wind up filling the hole in there, maybe get close on a couple couple tries, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm not doing too bad. Yeah, try doing it with five. Better yet, try doing it with one. One drill I, I run through people is I tell them, okay, it takes about six, seven minutes for everyone to shoot their arrows and then walk down range and get them because you have to call clear, walk down range and everything. You get one arrow. Shoot that one arrow. Make it your best shot possible, meaning you put everything together and accept the outcome for what it is. If it hits the dot, great. If it doesn't hit the dot, you know you have to work on it. You try harder. You work on your form. Now, this only applies if you know what parts of your form to look at. That's why I build them with a system. You, draw, you, you aim, you draw, find the target, focus, watch your arm, start pulling. The release, there's a part of it for everything from the time that you step onto the line, time you pick up the bow, and everything. And again, like I say, when you learn like the KSL system, or the USA Archery NTS system, as it's been called now, you're taught all these different steps. But again, you have to adapt them to you if something doesn't work for you. So so this is what I'm talking about with the whole practice thing. Quantity does not equal anything if it's not done with quality and if it's not done with proper technique and proper instruction. So you have to get criticism. Now, some people may just automatic the automatic answer I get at some people is, well, you don't have anybody watching you coach. I'm like, yeah, I do. I have two people. I mean, one person that that um, I found his techniques for, for coaching are a little stringent, but work. Um, Alexander Kirillov. He's like the head coach at PSE. Um, he's coached different national teams, that sort of thing. Really good guy. When you go to PSE for one of their instructor schools or one of their shooter schools, you're going to have him. And he will tell you, this is wrong, this is wrong. And one thing I did pick up from him when I was there was it's one thing to tell somebody that something's wrong, but it's completely another and a helpful thing to that person to tell them why it's wrong, why doing what they're doing is creating a problem. That's why when I explain to a student what's going on, I don't say, just do this, say, don't. Don't do it that way because if you do it that way, this and this is going to happen. This is what's causing this. With an explanation, people are more likely to accept what we're trying to teach them. And when I don't have the benefit of another coach looking at what I'm doing, I videotape myself. I look at it. And if you have a couple of videos of yourself shooting, like one where you're shooting a really, really good session, you go back to it and say, this is where my form is working. If you have another session that you videotaped and it's not working, look at the differences in the two videos. You'll be able to tell for yourself. That's what I do a lot, and that works for me. So, again, it has to be instruction, criticism, everything on there, but it must be constructive. And you can't do it on your own. You are not your own self-coach when you're either not using the video system or you're not getting a base of how it's supposed to be in the first place from someone else. So my own personal theory is even if you take only one lesson when you first get new equipment, if you've never shot before, write down all the steps that they're telling you so you have some sort of a system to work from. 
But don't waste your time going down to the range and just pounding your head over and over again. Like, why am I not hitting the target? And some people shoot groups that the groups stay together, but they can't figure out why they're not going near the center of the target. Got news for you. Sometimes that has to do with people who can't shoot targets. They can shoot 3D animals, which no spots on them. They can't shoot targets. And as coaches, we have ways of determining if that's your case. We have ways of determining if you have target panic. We have ways of determining if you're one of these people who can't shoot paper. There's way different techniques that like I've developed over the years to help people out through each one of these problems. But again, without access to that information, you're never going to figure it out on your own. So all I'm saying is drilling it through your head that you keep on doing this over and over again is going to make it better is not going to work. You got to take one of those actions that I just mentioned. So that'll do it for what I'm talking about when it comes to coaching today. Um, We're going to get into the listener questions. I've got a couple of them. The emails have been coming in a lot a lot higher volume since we announced that we were back, and I'm answering them as fast as I can. If it delays two days when you get an answer, sorry for that. Um, I work a regular job like I tell everybody. So we're trying to do as best we can. But our first listener question comes from Christian D. from no, – he's from Scotland. Uh, hello, Coach. Just got through the first 30 episodes and have to say your info and knowledge have been a big help to me. Thank you. I've been shooting for five years, yet I can't ever top a 288 score on a triple spot target. I think he's talking about a three spot. No matter what I do, who I talk to, this appears to be my plateau that I can't get off of. I've tried changing setups and still can't get past it. Any suggestions you can make? All right. So what I did with with Christian, and this is something that I see with a lot of people, where all of a sudden they, you know, they they're shooting for a while and they. They hit a, especially if they're shooting for score, they hit a score that they can't get past, no matter what. Like, this is my top. I'll never top, in his case, 288 out of 300. I can't get past that no matter what I do, how much I practice. Okay. So what I had him do was send me a video of him shooting. And I saw a couple things that needed corrections. First thing was timing. He had no real timing when, when he was shooting, like, one to go after five seconds, another one go after 12 seconds. So you're holding time and all that. It started to get to him, and I didn't see a consistency there. And then it had to be um, him hitting the lower right target. Um, he was missing it. So he kept on getting rushed. He was rushing himself for no reason at all. And I had him change his aiming method and explained how to do that and Actually, the thing that helped him the most was trying to start a timer in his head. So I said, listen, your average shot time is about seven seconds, and we put that in average. It's not the low, it's not the high, it's about the middle. So I said, start accounting. So as far as you start your pull, go one, two, three. As you're squeezing, and it, I think that applying one of Joel Turner's methods to it kind of helped him because as he started that count, all of a sudden he would average it going off in like seven seconds, but also his shots weren't drifting anywhere. He was getting a tighter group. And lo and behold, he broke 290 in his second second time shooting the round again. So he, if you want to explain that, way, well, he's on the road to recovery. Again, it had to do with he really didn't, when I talked to him, he really didn't have much coaching. 
but he'd been doing it for a while. He just couldn't get past that mark. And sometimes someone else has to tell you what they see to help you correct it. Sometimes it's a technique that they may know that you've never heard of before or small correction, and you can get past it. And that worked for him. Our next question comes from Mark G. from Poughkeepsie, New York. He writes, hi, coach. It's great to have you back doing what you do. Oh, good to be back, too. Uh, about a year ago, you helped my daughter with a release problem. I think I remember her. Yep, I did. Switch her to use to using a button and improved her game by leaps and bounds because she was using a hook. Um, well, a year later, she still loves shooting but has developed a pain in her bow hand that won't go away. It's on the inside of where the thumb meets the rest of her hand, and it won't go away at all. She used to be able to shoot 120 to 150 arrows in a session, but this has started in the last two months, and her coach is telling her to stop shooting for two or three weeks, and it should go away. Well, we are in week two, and it's still happening. So she took two weeks off. Pain still there. She picked up the boat today and couldn't get through 15 minutes. It seems taking the time off actually hurt her instead of helping her. He told her that she needs to see a specialist and have her hand looked at. Some of his other students have had the same issue and need therapy to fix it. I figured before spending money that we frankly don't have, and who does these days, uh, I'd ask you first, what do you think? Well, so going back to what I said the first part of this podcast, this is why I pick certain questions for it. Um, this is about a coach who's being rigid in what he teaches. And rigid to the point where you're doing it my way, I don't care if it hurts you, eventually you won't hurt you anymore, is probably what he was telling her. Now, when I spoke to her dad, he actually was saying something along those lines. Oh, no, you'll just, it'll, it'll numb out after a while, you just depend, you'll develop calluses in your hand, it'll stop you from holding it, but this is the way you got to do it. And what did I say about imposing your will on other people as far as how your system should work? It doesn't work. In the case of kids, it can get them hurt. Now, what I did in this case with Mark was I asked for pictures of her at full draw. And a close-up from the back of, and the side of her hands, turns out this coach was telling her to put the index finger on the edge of the riser shelf. Okay? So you're going to see some people, and this is... The Lancaster Classic was last week, and I saw a ton of people doing this, where they want to wrap their index finger around the shelf, the arrow shelf. And what they do is... In order to conform to doing that, because they think it's going to steady the bow in some some way, and it really doesn't actually just hurt your, your your form. When they're doing that, they they kind of pull their thumb all the way around, and instead of the bow riser resting on the meat of the thumb pad, it's mess. It's resting on that actual joint where your thumb meets your hand. Now think about that for a second. It's resting on the joint. Number one, stability is going to suck because now you're pivoting like crazy because a joint does what? It pivots. But number two, especially for a growing kid, you're going to hurt that joint sometimes permanently. And what this, here we go with number three, asshat is saying is that you'll get used to it, but you should go seek therapy because obviously there's something wrong with you. And not my technique. I'm sorry. You're an idiot. That coach has got his head so far up his ass that he can't realize that he's hurting a student because of it. And since he's telling me that this is something that was 
hurting a few of the other students and he was all sending them to therapy, guess what? You are a problem. So how would you like it if I stomped over there and ripped your thumb off your hand and said, go seek therapy because it's the way my system works? You wouldn't like it, would you? Well, and I hope he's listening to this because I guarantee you her dad's going to make him listen to this because he's not her coach anymore. Um, you can't do that. You don't do that because it's going to hurt someone. And in this case, it hurt her. And hopefully she doesn't have any permanent damage. I don't think she does. It wasn't happening for as long as we thought. But we have to correct that in a way that works for the student. If your way is hanging your knuckles off there and all that, just so you can reach your finger around the riser, again, Small hands, big hands, they're not the same. Some people can put their thumb pad around the riser and reach all the way around. Why? They've got long fingers or big hands, whatever it is. But a kid, probably not. So should they have to injure themselves to make you happy? No. No way in hell should they have to do that. So what I did, I told her how to, how to reposition the hand. Okay, And I said, all right. This is what you're going to do. You know, take it easy for the first week. Place it on your thumb pad. And just shoot like that normally. Your thumb's going to be still sore because you're, you're aggravating it. But your pad is going to be good. Let's take it easy. 20, 30 shots. Okay. Uh, two days later, uh, he emailed me that she can shoot for hours again and couldn't be happier. I was expecting this a couple of weeks Two days later, she's back to her normal shooting. She can shoot for a long time again. Why? She's taking the pressure off that joint and putting it back where it should be. She can't be happier now. The Joad coach they were using has since been told to lay off any advice, and actually her dad got really freaked out. And Because if he had done this, imagine what else he might do uh, when it comes to improperly training them. So he basically got rid of them. She still participates in Joad, but will not be taking this guy's coaching influence. Um, and she hasn't had to change any other part of her form, just that one thing where she was holding the bow. And again, it's because of one of these people who imposes their form on their students and just winds up hurting them. And that pisses me off to no end. So if you see that sort of thing going on, something's not right. Just saying you need to go to therapists because there's something wrong with you, not with the way I teach. Well, that's plain wrong. Um, so that brings me to the don't be that guy. And I guess you can pretty much figure out where this is going to go. I'm going to try not to get too heated because I almost got very heated just, you know, going through that email and stuff like that with what this guy was doing. But, you know. As I mentioned in the last listener question, sometimes there are coaches that impose their will on their students to conform to a particular form that they use or that they preach. You see all the students with the cookie-cutter form. It works for some, but it's detrimental to others. Unfortunately, a lot of students, like, like the one I just mentioned, just quit because it's not fun for them. And I said... In many other podcasts before, if it ever gets to the point where something is hurting you, where something's not fun to do anymore, where something becomes like work, 
People don't want to do it. So why the kids may have started, because this was a fun thing to do, you just turned their lives upside down because you made it something that they dread going to do. So all I'm going to say is, don't be that guy who tells their students, you've got to do things my way, or not at all. I don't care if you're getting paid or coaching for free for that matter, because you have both types who do this. Your job is to help the student evolve into a better archer, not to become a clone of your other students. What works for one may not work for the other person. Get it through your head. Every time I get one of these emails, I try to my best to help out. So if you have something like this going on, feel free to email me. But the fact is, I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to be exposed to all these different people. So I'm sure it's going on in a lot of other places. <coughs> I have not been to one shoot, one range where I have not seen something like this at least once in the times I've been there. It always happens. So don't be that guy who's going to just say, you got to do it my way because this is the way that the system is meant to be. And look at all my other students and they do it like that too. Who knows what those other students have been going through. If they have pains because it doesn't work for them, it may work fine for them. The fact is, if it works for two out of ten students, great for you, but it doesn't work for the other eight. So don't be an asshat, that's number four, and enforce your will on them. It just doesn't work for anybody. Well, as you can tell by my coughing, my throat's getting very dry, so that's pretty much going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, As I said, there'll be a couple other episodes that I'll try to release Again, on a weekly basis, if I can do four in a week, I'll release still one or two at a time. The YouTube videos are on the way. Trying to make them look nice. I don't want to put garbage out there. If anybody has any assistance or tips they can give me for trying to edit these things on a PC instead of a Mac, though I may wind up having to get a Mac uh, to do this, by all means, send them my way. It'd just be faster for me to get stuff up in uh, YouTube. So as always, if you have any questions, send them to highpowerarchery at gmail.com or visit our website, highpowerarchery.com. Um, we're always happy to hear from, from our listeners and always happy to answer questions. We'll get back to you as soon as we possibly can. Uh, sometimes I spend my days just reading through emails and I answer 50, 60 emails in a day and send it out. Some people I never hear back from. I've got people who started emailing me a year and a half ago. And I get another email from them like every other week or something like that. Well, I'm working on this. I'm working on this. It's not annoying and it's not a bother. If you've got questions, send them to me. No big deal. Um, so that'll do it. And as I always say, it's never goodbye. It's until the next time that we meet. Uh, until then, stay safe and shoot straight.